Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, The Explainer, What is Design Thinking? Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I'm happy to have you with me again today for this HBR Minute episode as I explore the recent HBR video, The Explainer, What is Design Thinking? Popularized by David M. Kelly and Tim Brown of IDEO and Roger Martin of Rotman School, design thinking has three major stages. As the complexity of the design process increases, a new hurdle arises the acceptance of what we might call the designed artifact, whether product, user experience, strategy, or complex system by stakeholders. Design thinking can help strategic and systems innovators make the new worlds they've imagined come to pass. In fact, with very complex artifacts, the design of their intervention, their introduction and integration into the status quo is even more critical to success than the design of the artifacts themselves. So in this short video, I'll be dividing it up and interlacing my commentary throughout, and I look forward to exploring design thinking with you. I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. When companies set strategy, they often stumble. Either they collect a lot of backward-looking data, which doesn't tell them what future customers really want, or they make risky bets based on instinct instead of evidence. Design thinking is a strategy-making process that avoids these mistakes by applying tools from the world of design and shifting the focus to human behavior. Popularized by David M. Kelly and Tim Brown of IDEO and Roger Martin of the Rotman School, design thinking has three major stages. So before she goes into each of the three stages, She briefly introduces this idea of design thinking and using elements of the design process and using it for the strategic management process within organizations, uh, particularly as you're trying to design new initiatives, new products and services, or new structures that might be able to uh, innovate and help your organization to be successful. She outlines a couple of the, the... typical types of failures that come about uh, when people are trying to innovate, when they're trying to, to create something new. And a lot of it comes back to simply going off your gut, uh, not having enough information, uh, not being data-driven. And one of the nice things about design thinking is that the iterative process that you go through allows you to collect information, data, perspective, uh, and context as you go. 
so that you're not flying blind and so that you don't have to take as big of risks. Uh, now, anytime you're innovating, there are going to be risks. Anytime you're trying to create something new, some things will work, some things won't. The whole idea behind design thinking within organizations is that you can fall forward, you can fail fast, and rather than investing tens of millions of dollars around a failed product launch, uh, you can iteratively invest in lots of different ideas and over time start to see which ones will pan out. And along that process, as you are quote-unquote failing, you're actually learning and it's all of those learnings, everything that you get along the way, that then can be translated into lots of other initiatives as well. So uh, she's going to outline the, th the main elements of design thinking now, and then we'll discuss each. First, invent a future. Form a few theories about what customers might want but don't have by immersing yourself in their lives. Instead of polling them about specific products or services, observe and ask questions about their behavior. Invent a future by observing the behaviors of those that will be connected to whatever your new innovation or creation uh, will impact. So with a product or service, that would be consumers. Uh, sometimes you're talking about business-to-business -business sales. Sometimes your customer, so to speak, is actually employees within your organization or management at a particular level or uh, this division, that department, uh, whatever. So as you really observe the lives, the, the lived experience of those people that you'll be impacting through this new creative initiative or innovation, uh, then you're, you are able to not fly blind. Uh, you're able to really perceive what is needed. And that is a solid foundation from which you begin. Next, test your ideas out. Use iterative prototyping with good enough products or services and conduct a few quick experiments to see how consumers respond. Adjust the product, the pricing, or the positioning accordingly. So in the first step, as we're observing people, we're trying to really understand and invent our future and really see into the future, so to speak. Really what we're doing is we're creating hypotheses. We're, we're taking abstract ideas that might connect and help explain uh, the behaviors that we're observing. Now in stage two, we take those hypotheses and we start to test them. Uh, and this may sound a lot like the scientific method and uh, spoiler alert, that's exactly what this is. Design thinking is nothing other than a different framing for the scientific method. We hypothesize. Now we are going to do simple experimentation, iterative experimentation. Uh, nothing that's going to take too long, cost too much money. We can do little bits um, and test as we go. Lots of hypotheses, lots of little experiments. And that will help us fine-tune our approach. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, 
There is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Finally, bring the new product or service to life. When you've got a winner, identify the activities, capabilities, and resources your company will need to actually produce, distribute, and sell it. Once you've hypothesized, tested, and identified those areas that are going to work and those areas that aren't going to work as well, you fine-tune, you go through that iterative process and using feedback loops to rehypothesize, retest over and over and over again, we redo those first couple of steps over and over. And as we refine it, now we move into implementation. So the third step is that we have to think through the logistics of taking this to market, taking the product or service to the consumers, taking the new policy or practice or the new tech transformation, the new change initiative to our employees, whatever the case may be, that we need to figure out how we're going to implement it. And we all know how difficult that can be. Uh, and it's important to continue the feedback loops because we need to have a, a way of assessing the impact of what we're doing, whether it's a new product or service or it's a new policy program or initiative within our organization. And we need to assess it, collect data. We need to have a sustainability plan. We need to understand how it is uh, moving forward. And the iteration approach needs to continue. So just because we've started to identify what seems to work, uh, what connects with our hypotheses based on the observed behaviors of our constituencies, now you know we test it, we, we fine-tune it, we move it to market, so to speak, those implementation pieces still will need to be refined. Nothing is static, nothing stays the same. We're in an ever-changing world, and so just because we kind of figure out what seems to work right now doesn't mean that's going to work you know, as well uh, three months from now, a year from now, two years from now, whatever. Uh, take, for example, this pandemic that we're in the middle of. Nobody saw this coming. And so you look back in the late fall of 2019 and an approach that may have worked very well using the design thinking process, using the scientific method, trying to understand how to take it to market. It worked very well back then. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in late March and it doesn't work anymore. That's the reality of the world, world we're in. And we just have to be able to be agile. We need to be able to pivot. We need to be able to make adjustments as necessary and be flexible. That requires this ongoing commitment to, to design thinking and allowing us to iteratively continue to test our understanding of the behavior of those we serve and understand how to best deliver what they need. Now, obviously, this applies to products and services in uh, the market. But this, as I've mentioned a couple times now, this also absolutely applies uh, within organizations. And so we as leaders also need to consider, uh, we need to consider design thinking 
and how these, these elements can better inform our leadership practice, how we engage with our employees and how we work to help increase employee morale, productivity, motivation, uh, and so forth. For example, when senior managers at Procter & Gamble wanted to turn around the skincare brand Oil of Olay, they began by observing shoppers in both mass retail channels and high-end department stores. They realized that their industry had been primarily targeting women over 50 who were worried about wrinkles, while pretty much ignoring those in their 30s and 40s who were concerned about other issues. This was a huge market to be captured. So P&G experimented with new formulations that would tackle multiple skincare goals, then tested different prototypes, price points, and store displays. Finally, the company launched a series of new premium, yet broadly distributed products that were well-received by a wide range of consumers. I love this Procter & Gamble example with Oil of Olay. A very simple example, but it illustrates how a really successful product line becomes a bit outdated. And so just because something has been successful in the past, sometimes you need to pivot. Sometimes you need to invent, reinvent it. And that's exactly what they did. Through iterative experimentation, they were able to figure out uh, different formulations for different forms of lotions to meet different needs for different populations, uh, for different target demographics. They were also able to iteratively test out price points, display features, and ultimately how they can interact with their consumers. And they did this by observing consumers. Uh, who, who would have thunk it, right? Um, now, the exact same process would need to happen anytime we're trying to successfully guide a change initiative within an organization, for example. If I want to go about a tech transformation within my organization, um, a digital transformation, or perhaps I have some new uh, strategy uh, that the organization needs to to uh, start to to follow, and I need to generate buy-in amongst uh, all levels of the organization. So we start to implement new policies, practices, and procedures. We start to implement uh, new approaches to uh, how we hire and retain our people. We have new approaches to how we go about performance management. All of these different elements, you know, of what we typically talk about in terms of organizational leadership absolutely can and should still utilize design thinking just the exact same way that Procter & Gamble did in the brief example that was shared. Through iterative experimentation and close observation of our people, we as leaders can lead more effectively and meet the needs of our people. By using imaginative, human-centered problem-solving, design thinking can help you unlock new markets and identify new strategies. I really like the way she frames that at the very end, imaginative, human-centered problem-solving. That is exactly what it is. It's the scientific method from a human-centric approach, that we are looking at people and their behaviors. We're closely observing, and we're not getting too disconnected from the end user, from, uh, from key constituencies and key stakeholders, whoever they may be as they relate to our organization. And as an organizational leader, I need to recognize and always remember that the end user, so to speak, as it relates to my leadership, are the people on my team. Uh, how are they performing? Uh, do they have the tools, the resources that they need to be successful? Do I create an environment where they can innovate, where they can be creative? Uh, do I create an environment where they can uh, fall forward and fail fast? 
where they can go through iterative learning, which means there's going to be quote unquote failure along the way. Do I create a safe place where that can happen? Because if not, design thinking won't happen in my own uh, work with my people, and it certainly won't happen within my people as they try to bring products and services to the market. So I think design thinking is a very uh, straightforward yet powerful way for us to conceive of how we can better bring about change within organizations and change within markets. As always, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.